What's happening, guys? Welcome to the JBS Training Group podcast. My name is Mark Smith. I am your host. I own and operate JBS Training Group, which is a firearms training company that travels the nation teaching guys what I know about shooting fast and accurate. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you'd like to know more about JBS Training Group or where you can get in on a class, you can visit www.jbstraininggroup.com. Enjoy the show. All right, y'all. This is my uh, interview with Joe Bruiser, Joe Dawson, Joe Bruiser Industries Dawson, uh, whatever you know him by. Joe has been um, a very interesting relationship for me. Joe is a former Navy SEAL, plus you know all, all the accolades that come along with with his uh, illustrious career. And he's been very, very kind to me since the day I met him. Man, he's been uh, uh, very, very kind, very respectful, very uh, inquisitive about my side of the house. And it's just, it's really interesting, man. And I, I really like Joe. Um, I think that Joe has a very no nonsense approach to shooting. And I really like that about him. I like the way he conceptualizes certain ideas. And I think you guys will dig this. This is going to uh, be an episode on, we, we, we started out with an idea to talk about LPVO optics and, and man, like it just kind of went all over the place from there. So there's some LPVO stuff in here. There's some, uh, some, some standard, you know, higher, higher magnification variable power optic stuff in here. There's some red dot magnifier stuff in here, CQB. I mean, all kind of crap, right? So, uh, strap on, uh, your, your seatbelt and enjoy this ride. Um, my bad as far as the host for venturing off topic like we did, but whatever, man. I think it was a, I think it was good stuff all the way around. Forgive my voice in this one. I'm trying to get it back. Been been fighting some sickness and whatnot. Uh, got to where I could talk good enough to to send this out and figure we go ahead and get after it. But uh, anyway, without further ado, this is my interview with Joe Dawson of Bruiser Industries. Hope you enjoy this. Where are you going next? What's the, what's on the agenda? A shot show. Um, shot show, and then. I, I gave myself a nice big break over the holidays because I knew my fall between kids and, and classes got really busy. And so I gave myself kind of a break of, of half of December and mo- all of January because SHOT Show ends up being like, you know, it's always a roll of the dice if you're going to get sick at SHOT Show anyways. And so my first class isn't until like middle of February. So uh I really have nothing until then. And I was trying to use this time to get back on a pistol, get back on a carbine, get some co- bunch of content done. And and then I got sick. And then I had, you know, uh, Scott and Cece were here from Iron Sights Podcast for New Year's. Mm. And so that was fun. But I, I've, uh, I have yet to um, get back out to the range. And then we're, I live in Oregon. So it's been raining for like the last four days straight. So it's uh I like uh I, li- I like old Scott. Scott's Scott's been very kind to me, like for no reason ever ever since he met me. He's you know? dude, he's just a very kind person, honestly. And yeah. between the first po- <laughs> podcast we did, uh and then he came to a class of mine and then or two classes of mine, and then we did the second podcast where him and Cece came up to my house and we did the podcast on my porch. We've just become really good friends and he's a mm-hmm. one of the most genuine people him and cc are just fantastic and he brought their daughter up this time um so yeah it was good and and uh and we just kind of had a chill bonfire drinking bourbon kind of new year's super cool super cool um 
Yeah, last I saw him was actually at the arena as well. I'm going out there uh, in April to, to San Jose. He's I got him into uh, one of my uh, LE-only pistol classes, so that would be kind of fun. Nice. I have to ask. So, because um, I was just talking yeah. – I, I was just talking to a guy last night who was asking me about Fred and Mike. How was the class mm-hmm. this time? Uh, the um, CQB. So I went in there as a dude who, you know, look, man, like I, I don't know, like obviously dick all about this other than what my common sense brain can conceptualize and process, right, with, with like lack of experience being a thing. <clears throat> this is very much to me like doing a work i understand it it makes sense right but like i don't know what to do when it shocks the hell out of you and everything looks right you know what i mean like i'm kind of lost at that point so anyway um i went in there very very skeptical of the application of the these ideas for me like just me little old me in, in my house like this you know, I understand the concept and the, and the ideas behind the the four man aspect. You know, the the eight man aspect. Like this makes sense, but <clears throat> we're going to go and we're going to train four and, and eight and even twelve man uh, multiple entry point CQB. Why? You know what I mean? Like that's where I was stuck. Um, and I really liked what Fred said. Um, he said, "Look, man, it's it's not that." we're teaching you this because you're going to go and do it. Like, that's not the idea. The idea is, is that before you come up with any plan of any sort to defend anything or, or offend or aggress on anything, you need to understand the basic like Ranger handbook principled four man CQB foundational thing in order to go anywhere from there. Like you have to understand what we're trying to do with four men to understand what you might want to do, even if you're one man. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> and I was like, okay, you know, my ears perked up. I was like, all right, that's a, that's an interesting way to, to think about it. So, uh, went and listened and, and kept kind of thinking through it. And honestly, man, like it's, uh, I, I, I'm glad I went because I know, I know now, like if, if, you know, insert your favorite, uh, you know, alphabet agency comes to, to bust down my door, I know what is about to happen. Like I've seen this movie before. And, and so, you know, or, or any, for any reason, right? Like, like whoever, whatever, like whatever crazy fantasy scenario you can come up with. Um, it, it's almost like, <clears throat> it's almost like candid prone shooting, right? Like it's not that like you should strive to achieve this position, but I'm glad I, I understand what happens. Like, yeah. I'm glad that I have the knowledge just in case for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it can do anything but increase your, your capability, uh, just understanding it. So um, I definitely would not classify it uh, as anything other than, like, just good brain food. Um, it was very frustrating for, for, for me. Um, and I told Mike this, and <laughs> I, I had to really uh, be – I had to be very graceful. Um, that's, that's a good word for it. Not because I was, like – really, really good and everybody else sucked or anything like that. It was just that I, I, so a couple things that were very interesting. I found immediately that, um, if you did not already have weapons handling and shooting squared away, you're screwed, bro. Like this yep, ain't going to work. hundred percent. Right. Yep. Like, and I, I can tell because I teach a lot. Right. And I, I know what this look is and, and the look that I saw, like I could tell that, that 50% of the class or more, 
was like dramatically, dramatically like overloaded in their cranium. Like they, they, there's too much, there's too much, like they can't think of all this all at, at one time. And so they basically just kind of started panic running and turned into like little pinballs where they were just bounce off of everything and run everywhere. Uh, and it was, you know, like, uh, he, he taught, um, the, the basic, like I, I've, I've had these, these sorts of classes before and they all kind of look basically the same, right? N- number one man gets a, a, a cue from number two man that, that it is good to go We're we're ready when you are kind of thing. And like, there were dudes that were not getting the go ahead that were just going and we're trying to keep up with them and dudes crossing hallways in front of muzzles on forward security. And just, oh, it's just a mess. And it's not because they didn't know any better. It's because they can't, they literally can't think and, and it's going too fast. So um, that's the conversation. I think the industry doesn't want to have, which is like for, you only have so much processing Ram in your headspace. And if, if you haven't, turned the what basic weapons handling into like a subconscious action you're utilizing a good portion of your conscious ram to just maneuver and not like flag your buddies like and and make sure your guns off safe on safe you know point in the right direction well it you have to get that stuff to subconscious so you can free up that processing speed to then handle one and two man, you know, uh, uncleared space, open doors, closed doors, like, you know, priority of threats, like uh, how, how your flow is working. If the, if the one man went right, where am I going? Otherwise you end up with guys just following the dude in the door. Like, but if, if you, like you said, if you, if you haven't got that stuff subconscious, you've basically maxed out your processing speed and you're trying to process some very advanced concepts. I mean, it's not advanced for for you if you do it a lot, but I'm saying like, there's a lot going on, especially when you start throwing in role players. Well, and the, the interesting part for me, like I had to, I kept making like multiple mistakes that were very similar and, and they were based on, I was trying to think through what everyone was supposed to do instead of just focusing on what I was supposed to do. And, and like, I didn't want to let go of everybody. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to make sure everybody did their thing. And that was very hard for me because like, I, it's, I mean, dude, I just met you yesterday and, and, and I'm just going to trust that you, that you're going to do the thing. Like yeah, it was hard for me, man. Um, you know? And, and so anyway, it was, um, I, I can see a, a couple things on that. Number one, to be the, to be the best at that, uh, I would want to work with the same people for a very long time. Um, like, like I want to, I want to be able to like, like I want to be able to see like your, the way your fingernails are cut under nods and know wh- who you are and and what your propensities and habits are in certain places. Like I want to know everything and have expectations of you and, and all the things. Number two, <coughs> excuse me. Number two would be like, Dude, the, the, the shooting, the weapons handling, the moving, like all of that has to be completely subconscious because like it's it. I'm going to call it impossible to do well if that's not already squared away. Um, like it's going to be impossible. Um, and and then the, uh, the the final thing is, and is that if done appropriately, like if if done well, um it is absolutely terrifying to, to think of being the adversary of that. Like, 
that's very, very hard to defend against, man. There is something magical about a team that works together a lot, that knows each person's idiosyncrasies, and especially when you start doing silent runs at night on nods where everything is nonverbal, it's it's like when you sit in the catwalk and you watch it, it's it's un, like those guys have worked. It's like chore- it's scary, it's a, man. Yeah, it's a choreographed dance of of very dangerous men, um, and the dance of, and the dance leads to death. Like because I mean, dudes are you know squeezing, moving, you know, just waving hands and stuff, and guys are just moving, and no words are being said. I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating that we have. Um, as far as I'm aware, America has has basically developed this this system of operation that <clears throat> you know a, a group of dudes can go into a, a frankly down to an, a completely unknown structure and have everyone in there dealt with or or it completely cleared in like what, thirty seconds or less, like multiple rooms, multiple rooms, multiple levels, like it's done, you know, like it's it's bizarre. Um, it's it's quite like like I say, man. Like when you sit there and you think about like what would what would I do to defend against this? That's 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 a heck of a thing to wrap your head around, man. That's that's tough. I'm glad I'm glad it was a good course. I yeah. I uh, I, I'm anxious to see kind of where their style leads them. I I think so. I, I talked to. Uh, Mike the other day I think that the main reason that people are so that's, number one everybody goes through growing pains man like when, when you're when you're new kid on the block like ask me how I know right when you're new kid on the block and you're and you're doing well like people are going to be very very critical right um number two I think that Mike needs to to say more often his like Mike's a very like he doesn't I don't know if I don't know if you pick up on it or not. I didn't initially, but like the more I get to know him, <laughs> he he's always like nineteen levels deep in his head, man. Like he's a very, very deep thinker and he's always thinking about like like down the road and like all this different stuff. Uh very complex minded. Um he told me one time, he's like, Man, what these guys don't realize is that what we're trying to do, he said, you know, we we could do scope carbine, but like why would we like you already got, you know, you, you got, uh, you know, Joe Dawson, you got Ridgeline, like, like the scope carving world is, is squared away. Like we got, like you got Kyle DeFore, you got Buck Door, you got all these dudes. So like, why would we do a scope carving? And so what we did instead was create, <coughs> excuse me, create a course that the, the idea was, what if we could take dudes who do not identify with distance shooting at all, right? Uh, like non-precision shooters, non-DMR, non-scope carving shooters. And we could give them a course where we kind of enticed them a little bit to what they might be capable of to get them out here and maybe give them a taste of this so that now we we might have just hooked our next uh, precision shooter who never would have been interested in it at all. And and I, And I was like, Mike, you need to freaking say that, dude. Like you've never said that, like in that, like when you say it like that, it's it it kind of it's kind of brilliant. Like it's really it's it's neat, um, but you don't say that, right? And so, like, what gets misconstrued is, hey, come bring your red dot rifle, shoot eight hundred yards consistently, 
Well, now, now wait a minute. You know, like that's what <coughs> that's what that's what you said. That ain't what Mike said. Mike said, "Come bring your red dot rifle, and we're gonna do some distance shooting." You know, out to eight hundred yards. Next thing you know, this dude says, "Oh, oh, you know." Mike said, "You gonna go nine for ten at eight hundred, and, and it's like, like when? Who? When did when did he say that? Like he said that, and and they don't like as a dude that's been through that course. Never once do they teach this as like, hey y'all, this this would be a good idea to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not like that. It's like, hey man, <clears throat> we want you guys." to understand that just because there's a dot on the gun doesn't mean it falls out of the sky at a hundred yards. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and it, it's a neat little niche idea. Um, I, and I, I've told Mike this and I'll, I'll, you know, full disclosure, it's not the way I would teach it. I, I, you know, um, and that's not a critique. That's just because like, I'm, I'm glad because like if everybody taught everything the way that I would teach it, then we wouldn't have different companies. We just have all, we'd all be the same robot. Um, yep. But I, you know, I, I have heard from my alumni that have been to that course, and a lot of them r- really like it. Like they really like it. Um, and you know, so th- I think, man, like different strokes for different folks. Like I've I've had bad reviews too, and <clears throat> I think that like like true or false, you can please everyone. Like absolutely not. Like it ain't gonna happen. And, and so. Like you, you know, I think reasonable expectations have to come into play, and like somebody's not gonna not be happy. But a lot of times, if you'll if you dig deep enough and you'll reach out, you'll find that there's a pretty significant amount of context behind the ones that are unhappy. Uh, that's missing from the chat, you know. I just think you know. I think I, I fell prey to this when I was really young. I think contextually like you need to kind of listen to everybody and i posted this probably a month ago i said something about how i get more quality feedback from the guys who train a lot or other instructors who come to my course because i had duffy and chris curris in my uh precision rifle class my law enforcement excuse me precision rifle class in florida and guys were like well that makes it sound like you don't like feedback from newer shooters. I said, no, but I said, you have nothing to compare me against. Like, and so dude, if you go to, if you go to a range for a weekend and I'm not an asshole and you shoot, you know, 600 rounds and you hit some targets, like 90% of people are going to be like winning. But if I have you show up or Scott Peterson or, um, or Duffy or whoever, or Chris Palmer, or like Ben Stoger's coming to, uh, to my February, to my March Reno class, like, there's some real feedback there in teaching styles and how you relay information and, and, and the context and application and, and things that you're putting into practice because they have crap tons of things to compare you to, as well as your own views on things and the way you apply context. And like, you know, I'm sure that if me, you and Scott sat down about scope carbine, dude, we'd talk for two hours and there'd be little minutia from your background in USPSA and, and being more of like a red dot fast shooter. And then Scott being AMU and doing like, you know, all his high power, like Scott and I have been talking a lot lately and, and then my background on the soft side. And so. Dude, I I can tell you right now that me and Scott Peterson do not agree on everything. And, 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 but what's, but what's super cool is that, 
I don't think that anything that he thinks or says or promotes is necessarily wrong. I think he just conceptualizes different ideas differently than I do. Um, and, and prioritizes certain things at a higher level at a, at, you know, in the minutia than I do. Like, it's just like, you know, Scott thinks about, like you talk about mitigating par- parallax with LPVO. Scott's conceptualization of how to do that is different than mine, but like, that don't mean he's wrong. It just means he's him. And so I think that understanding all those different ways of thinking about these things can help you make a far more mature review in that, like, it's not just, oh, he didn't say the right thing. It can be, oh, he didn't say the thing the way that I would have said it, but it's still very interesting what he said. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> and I think a lot of times, like you said, until you've shot enough, experienced enough, and I think it's a wisdom dif- differentiation. Um, until you have enough understanding of the topic and and, and, and all those things, like, you, you can't you can't see that you can't hear that come out of somebody like it's because because all you know is all you know and, and all you've ever seen is through your own eyes yeah him and i are going to do an instagram live here in the next couple of weeks um talking about uh length of pull and setting length of pull mm. and it's a very simple concept which i have a lot of history in it's kind of like canting your body why did we cant our body when we shot well it's because we didn't have bipods and we didn't have magazines we could rest the gun on and so to get a support on the front of an M16 where you where you aren't holding you the mat a lot of elbow under that thing. You got to get your hand farther out, which you give up, you give up recoil mitigation for support. And so that's why the body ends up getting canted, which is the same thing guys do on barricades all the time. Is they splay their shoulders because they try to mitigate muzzle movement by putting downward pressure too far out. And they aren't picking up other things like secondary points of contact and all these other things you can do on barricades. And, and so he was like, yep. And I said, but now I said with 30 round magazines and magazine design, you can rest, you can absolutely rest your gun on the magazine and you shouldn't have any malfunctions. And so, because when an M16 was designed, it was all 20 round magazines for most of Vietnam. And so, uh, there, there's Again, some history we find there. That, that we find that context matters. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we lose, People go like, well, that was designed what people used to can't. I said, no, you're missing 70% of that story that context really matters. And I, and I don't think that you just set your length of pull to your elbow and call it good either. Cause are you wearing body armor? Are you not wearing body armor? Do you have a long neck? A bunch of that stuff matters too. But so Scott was like, dude, he goes, this is why us old fucks that actually like shooting, like need to be friends because there's a lot of history that he was talking about shooting M14s and, and, and high power and all this stuff. And I'm like, I just happened to be around where we used to, like, I had old guys that were still around, that, I, and I'm a dork and like talking shooting. And so we talked about this stuff. And so anyway, so we're going to do a video on that. Um, the, the interesting thing is, like, I think that in order to – to do this, uh, I'm, I'm going to call shooting uh, at, a, at a like a martial art, like it's a it's a human performance thing that's trained over a period of years and years and years to become great at it. Um, it's it's very akin to the path of jujitsu, I think. Uh, but anyway, it's very interesting how I, I have not yet met a person that was really really good at shooting any particular discipline 
that looked completely different than anybody else that was also really, really good. Uh, like, like we're all basically like, I believe that the foundational like principles of marksmanship indicate that you like, if it's a principle, if it's a fundamental, that means it must be there, which means you are doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you take 10 dudes that shoot really, really good. They are doing the same thing by like, by default, they have to. Yeah. They just have different ways of, of like delivering that, that conceptualization. And like I have guys sometimes they'll be like, oh, I really love how you came up with that. It's like, bro, I ain't, I, I, I don't have original sh- thoughts about shooting. Like, like that. I didn't, I didn't come up with nothing. That you're just hearing the way my brain puts it out. Hundred percent. Yep. And it rings for you. You know what I mean? Like I didn't come up with none of this crap. Like every people been doing it. What you have heard today at this class is a hundred and fifty years of 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 discovery that has just been put out by some redneck from South Carolina and the way he thinks about it. Yep. Like I didn't come up with none of that. Same. Yeah. So, nope, I completely get it. But, um, but yeah, it's funny. You, you want to talk LPDOs. I just got primary arms after I posted on Instagram that they hadn't sent me anything. And I was kind of pissed because they reached out to me, <laughs> their head of marketing, uh, messaged me and like, yeah, the guy that you were talking to no longer works for us. And so, uh, you have oh, a PLX um, on the way. And so I actually currently am holding in my hand one of the primary arms PLX 1 to 8. First so I, don't know, I don't know enough about the delineations of that brand. is, But I know that one of them is the one that like everybody kind of touts as being like the a, a really good scope. Is, is that the, the one you're talking about? The it's PLX like a, it's like a, is about a $1,200, $1,500 scope? Yeah, it's the Japanese glass one. Um, yeah, yeah, I told the guys they were like, "Well, we'd like to send you out some of the other ones." I said, "I have no interest." I said, and they were like, "Really?" I said, "Dude, the only line you, excuse me, you guys have that I have interest in is your PLX line because I know it's Japanese glass." And I was like, "Because you're talking to a guy." I, I also have a zero compromise sitting right next to this so this scope that I'm mounting on an ATX. I was like, "I'm a glass snob. I make a living looking through scopes," and I said, "I don't dabble." I, I just recently got some Vortex PSTs because people, so many people had asked me about some to try some lesser stuff. And that's the same reason why I got this thing. Um, I, I run attackers and Vortex 1 to 10s. That's pretty much all I run. Um, and so I got this thing. I, it's funny you say that, man. Like, I, it, like, it's super funny you say that. So about two weeks ago, I was looking at that scope and and I was going to buy it for the same reason you just said, like I get asked about it and people like talk about it so much that like, I feel like I, I need to know a little bit about it, but man, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is like wrong or something, but like I, JVS training group is actually on a budget, believe it or not. And like, I, I can't just buy $1,500 scopes just to try out, just to see what it's all about and then sell them and take a loss. Um, yep. so until somebody will give me one, I, I I'm not, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to buy one is what I landed on, but it's super interesting that you, uh, had, had the same kind of little journey and, and ended up with one uh, for the same reasons. That's, that's exactly why I was going to do it. I'm in the same boat. I, and the thing is, is I'm different in that I have a, I have a budget too, much to many people's amazement. Um, I, a 90% of the guns that I've added in the last 18 months, first of all, I only stopped working for a corporate project management company, you know, that I was making $250,000 a year from a year ago. And so 
while I was working there, working 60 hours a week, all I did was wait for my kids to show up and buy guns. So because I wasn't shooting a whole lot because I was literally death by death by computer. And so a lot of that stuff that's come in, I bought a year and a half ago and like, it just finally came in. And so, or companies like IWI or whoever, like, because I was writing magazine articles for recoil and doing stuff on foreign service weapons, honestly, I started bullshitting with the guys and be, and some guy like IWI has sent me like seven guns, like super cool. Yeah. And so, and I, it wasn't like I asked for it. I was like, yo, and even after the first two, I was like, yo man, like I, I I'm really good. Like, I don't want you guys to like waste your entire marketing budget on me. And like, I do not, I don't know when I'm going to have a chance to get to this stuff. And he's like, no man, that's not why I'm sending it to you. And I was like, okay. I just don't want you to like be like, oh shit. I sent Joe, you know, seven guns and like he hasn't really posted all that much i was like dude i'm not a content creator and uh he's like i'm not ready for this level of relationship (laughs) yeah and so um so it's looked it's looked very much like and i have it's i'm blessed to have been in this industry for a really long time too where i have a lot of relationships that i get discounts or whatever but i mean i do the like my sigs and some of that other stuff i paid full retail for i just ordered them off the site but i digress it's a I, I'm really slowing down this year. I'm definitely not hurting on guns to begin with, um, but I, I'm not working for Siemens anymore, and I'm not getting per diem from the Navy anymore, and I'm not, and you know, swinging for even like this ZCO is a friend of mine who I'm borrowing for a while. I mean, I can't just swing at a five thousand dollar scope, or and uh, and I'm not really Hello. searching out anything, and so that's kind of why I started my Patreon and stuff, and I was like, hey, here's the deal, guys. Like I only make money for my students. I don't receive a paycheck from a single company. Like, so the, if I go teach a class and I make $3,000 or $4,000 in a weekend, and you guys want me to test, uh, like you said, a $1,600 scope and, a you know, and a, this, and you want me to put 2000 rounds through something you want me to shoot, like that costs money and, and nobody's giving it to me. And if I, and it's not something that I need to do to be better at my job because if I really w- want to be good at my job, all I'm going to do is buy a bunch of IWI or I mean IMI 175s and 77 grain Sierra Match Kings and just shoot the crap out of the like eight scope carbine 308s I have and like 10, you know, 14.5, 16, 17, and 18.5 DMRs I have. So I need to uh, get up with you at some point and, and like, I've never been, uh, I, I have not crossed the threshold into the large frame world. Uh, but, but I want to, I think. Um, and so, but I don't really like know where to, like, I I don't know anything about the large frame stuff and like what's good and what I'm looking for. Um, so what I don't want to do is basically what I did in the five, five, six smaller frame world, like spend $30,000 and finally figure out what you want. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do that. It's, it's the same story. It's, like I and I, I the, the same three bullet the same three questions I tell everybody: How big of a bullet do you want to shoot? How far do you want it to shoot? And how how and what do you want it to do when it gets there? So it's and then it comes down to like cost and all that stuff. So are you a you know you tend to be a you know zero to five hundred zero to six hundred like like type shooter like dude I can do that all day long with a sixteen inch three hundred eight so do you necessarily need a 23 inch six, five Creedmoor? No. 
could you, or if you wanted to get a little better ballistics, could you run like an 18 inch six, five where it's a little handier, you could suppress it, but is that a thousand yard gun? Absolutely. So it's because there's a, there is, there's a difference between like, I have a 16 inch Daniel defense. That's kind of like my run in gun type 308. Um, I still have a slim handguard. I didn't put arc of the whole length. I have a little arc, a piece of the back, a thing for a bipod on the front. Like it's a very handy gun. And then I mm-hmm. have a 22 inch Seekins SP 10 M, which is full length Arca bipod. Like that's a DMR. Like it's a big gun. And, yeah. and so those are both 308 gas guns. They're both large frames, but contextually very different guns. And so sure. it's just like the AR 15 when people go like, well, you know, Jimmy shot to 800 yards, the 12, five, that means 12, five is the, no, no, it doesn't like, you've never obviously never shot a rifle length gas, you know, 18 or 17 inch gun. Cause they're really soft and they're really fast. If you know how to run them. Um, they're great. I just got my, my first one recently. I, I just bought my first ever barrel over 16 inches in a, in a five, five, six gun. I got an 18 inch proof and, and Holy smokes, man. Dude, rifle length gas. There's a reason. Like I, I was having this conversation with somebody about, they were like, I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time seeing why you would do five, five, six over 14, five. And I said, it's, it's all roll, man. I said, if I'm going out and doing ops with guys that all run five, five, six, but I have to, I'm there to extend the max effective range of my unit or my platoon. And my whole role is I'm doing overwatch for a parade. I'm doing, or I'm doing, I have to hold down the street or I, I want something that's handy and everybody around me is running five, five, six. So I want to be able to have mag compatibility across the board. Like if I'm going to be in an overwatch or, or trying to push that, I want to get as much as I can. And the way we used to run them with the over the barrel cans, like our Mark 12s weren't any longer than like my 16 inch guns are now with a can because yeah. the way those, the way those opsync cans mount up because they're over the barrel. Um, and so you end up with a really soft shooting gun that gets almost every bit of velocity you can get out of that gun. And dude, you want to talk about doing hammers and stuff and doing, you know, uh, reactive doubles or predictive doubles on decent sized targets. Uh, you can run a Mark 12 or an eight. My, I have a 17 inch gun. That's a rifle length Bartland. And uh, dude, that gun is stupid soft. Sure. Suppressed. And, and, and so doing what we do and, you know, my scope carbine class is zero to a thousand most of the time, unless somebody w- really wants to host me, I tell them that I, ha- I have to have a minimum 500. Um, but i usually book it alongside my precision rifle, which usually I have to have a thousand. So, uh, 90% of the time I have a thousand yards. And so dude, I get 14 fives out to a thousand almost every class. Yeah. Like, and so, it's but doable. Is, is it as consistent as that 18.5? Absolutely not. No. So um, now is it – now you can get down to like the – well, isn't – wouldn't you then just use an AR-10? I said in – when I was going out with 16 other dudes, like – and they're all running 5.56. Five, so there's, you know, 100 magazines between us that are all in 5.56. Five, that's up to you guys to decide if you're going to be the one guy with that's running 7.62 magazines. So when you go dry – you can't use anybody else's ammo. Right. So 
Now, you're in Afghanistan, everybody's running SCARs or 7.62 guns. That's a whole different conversation. But when we were in Iraq, hell yeah, we ran those Mark 12s because everybody else around me had AR-15s. So if I ran dry of my 77s and we were in some long engagement, I could just start grabbing mags off people and I'm still in the fight. Is it as accurate as what I had? No, but I'm not done fighting instead of you know running around with a big 20-pound carry or a paperweight. Scott Peterson told me one time, if there's a bullet in the air, there's hope. <laughs> yep. That's a good way to put it. So, yeah. But um, uh, LPVOs, let's do the damn thing. Yeah. So I'm interested in your thoughts on like what sort of mission set. And, and I'm going to try to speak to like your, your job or, or you can okay. go, you know, practical citizen or, or whatever, but like, what what would have to be the parameters that took you from from a dot magnifier to an LPVO? Like, what kind of distances? What kind of what kind of context are we dealing with where the LPVO becomes the way to go? And 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 not only that, it's better to do the LPVO and not the the mid range optic, the three to eighteen with the, with like a dot. Um, for your, for your one X stuff, but like the LPVO makes sense in this application. So I, I start using it as identifying the context in your application and then percentages. Like the, the thing I use a lot, which is I want to solve for your 80% because I mean, you, you know, as well as anybody sitting on the internet, people are going to, what if you with the 10% that exists on either side. So is that a, I might have to, uh, climb a oil platform and nothing's farther than 50 or I, you know, left a building and all the other buildings vanished. And all of a sudden now I have to engage at a thousand yards. What's my perfect gun. And you're like, Whoa, dude, like, okay, so let's ditch those two, you know, fantasy scenarios and let's solve for your 80%. So let's say you live suburban like everywhere around you is zero to 200 and you can identify um, a, and you can have a good zero that you understand that gets you, you know, plus or minus your acceptable window. Let's call it like, you know, just to use some simple math, my 11 inch MCX with a unity riser. If I run a hundred yard zero, that means that I'm playing with mechanical offset to a hundred. And then at 200, I'm two inches low and at three inches, I'm nine inches low. So that means with an 11 inch gun, like, I'm headshots. I'm underneath the dot at 200 because two MOA dot, four inch dot, I'm two inches low. I'm still under the dot. And then you figure at 300, I'm nine inches low. That dude. So that means zero to that nine inches is very doable. That's still not even off a 20 inch plate. And so I own zero to 300. So if that's my range of, you know, I, I live suburban, like, there's nothing that's farther than two or three city blocks that I can see. I, I live in the middle of Houston. Nothing is, you know, I don't have like these rural areas. I'm not shooting coyotes. I'm not, and I'm just, all of the ranges around me are zero to a hundred, zero to 200. I think you're in that realm. And then talking to law enforcement guys, cause this is where Chris Palmer and JR, my buddy with uh, LAPD kind of, they gave me the context because with my background, I was LPVO all the way or anything with a reticle because I'd lived in a reticle for 15 years. And so, but 
it was now you're in that same range. You're zero, still the zero to 300. So you don't need a reticle yet. And so what, but you want a little extra magnification for things like PID. And so is, is that person holding a cell phone or are they holding a pocket pistol? Is that person holding a cell phone? Is it, you know, like, what are they doing right now? Is that person under duress? Is it the right person at 160 yards or whatever? Like, um, those things, you're, you're not looking for a better ballistic solution. You're not looking for a refined aiming point. You're looking to see more. And so that's really where I start going, like, magnifiers make sense. Plus, they're scalable. And so good magnifier and a good mount that you have you've figured out the ocular focus, you've, you've collimated the, the magnifier, you paint penned everything so you know where it is. You can take that off your gun with, with a good mount and put it back on and you're gonna be okay. I really, really like, I, I really have grown to love like the, the lower third of the co-witness dot and magnifier solution with a good like point blank zero on it for the civilized United States kind of context, you know, like, (laughs) like, you know, number one, if you're a citizen, uh, likelihood of you even deploying a rifle in a critical incident, slim to none. Anyway, I understand things happen. I I got it right. Um, And, and believe you me, like I'm, I got my gun set up and ready to rock too, just in case anything ever, ever does happen, but probably not. But on the patrol side of the house or the, you know, the, the, the responding officer side of the house in an emergency, like it, it has always made sense to me. And this is where my performance out yonder curriculum came from. Like it, it came from lessons in the woods. Um, I have always stalk hunted. Uh, I don't like to, to stand hunt. I will every now and then, but like my, my brain just goes freaking crazy. I can't sit in a freaking stand for four hours, man. I lose my mind. Um, so when I'm stalking these critters, what I found was, was that you would, you would, catch a glimpse of the animal you you had time to set up to to ambush its its you know direction of travel but <clears throat> what you did not have time to do was range it get a get a get ballistic data on it like all these different things you you had like about a 5 second window to shoot this critter at 100 and I don't know how far and yeah. you needed to do it now right yep. and and so uh, I failed at that a lot until I figured out like, well, I didn't figure it out until I was taught enough information to understand ballistic art and how to manipulate it. Um, yeah. And then I like, like my hunting gun, like my, my go-to hunting gun is a 12 and a half inch six arc with a dot and magnifier on it zeroed at 66 yards because at 66 yards, I'm inside the black of a B8 to 247 yards. And like when point and click is and time is of the essence, it like this, this just kind of starts to make sense. Yep. Um, so th- that, that whole idea, I really, really dig. And so uh, anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yes, I, I really love that. I can take the magnifier off. I, I can put it on. And like, I think a lot of this, I think a lot of people are looking for glass to solve their ignorance issues. And I don't mean that, you know, negatively, it just is what it is. I think that, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that, understanding the the trajectory of your round and understanding your zero distance, why you chose it and what's happened to that bullet at, you know, your, your anticipated engagement range is, is a far, far more valid chat than what, what glass you should get. 
Well, I always tell people, because this is the thing that I get out. I mean, I living in a scope carbine world, that's what half of what I teach. And, and, and the other half is precision rifle is people want justification for getting into what I teach. And I go, and I, I have, I have downsold law enforcement agencies that wanted to Im- implement like LPVO programs for their departments. That's what I teach. It's that's really funny. It, Me too. <laughs> it's how I make a living. And I'm like, this isn't the right call for you guys. And so I think what people are looking for is they're looking for equipment to answer questions they haven't fully formed yet. And so you get these people who you go, uh, that's, I, I posted this once and I said, you know, Hey, like, instead of listening to the internet, like come to a class. Cause we disprove all this stuff a lot. And the guy was like, Oh, you're gatekeeping. I said, no, go to any class. I said, the, the, I'm not telling you that like, I have some secret. I don't. All I'm going to do is teach you ballistics. Like go buy a Brian Litz book. It's in there too. But what I'm trying to tell you is I said, you guys haven't tested or found the limitations of your gun yet. So you're regurgitating somebody's response for that they were too lazy to answer their own question. And so they answered it without experience. They just said it's impossible. And and just because you can't doesn't mean I can't. And I'm not saying that as some talented shooter. I'm saying you have to be motivated enough to seek the information out to then make that make sense. Like picking a zero, right? Like you use a 66 yard zero for your application and your ballistic arc and what you're trying to do with that gun, that makes, but you had to then understand a ballistic app, like your inputs, what your gun setup was, like what the BC of your bullet was to then do the, to do the long form math, mm-hmm. as also known as putting inputs into your ballistic app to answer your own question. But you had formulated a good question first. And so mm-hmm. the, I think a lot of people want justification for a purchase because like we were talking about, you know, I have this PLX sitting in front of me um, and I teach LPBOs and this might be a great optic for some people. And I, I have yet to form an opinion on it, but I, I like that, that bef- before you like, before you seek an answer, formulate a good question. Yeah. Like it needs to be, it needs to be a good enough question to to go into the answer. Like the answer is not, the answer to any good question is is never concrete in nature. Like it's never blanket. It's never one or the other. You know what I mean? Like it's it's very detailed, uh, and it has to do with the detail of the question. There's lazy people on both sides, and and this is why the internet gets really convoluted. Is people go they want an absolute, and I get it, but that's a lazy response from a person giving it to you because they didn't. Unless you had a really Hey, my budget is this. This is my experience. This is my likes and dislikes. This is my, this is what I've ran. And this is like, I really want to get into a loophole. I want to be in this range. You know, I want a Christmas tree reticle. I have this much money to spend. Like, okay, you're really dwindling down. Like, the the number of options I have to give you. But if you just go like, hey, I want to shoot around these distances. Like, I've shot for a little bit. I don't really know what my option is. Like. If somebody just goes a zero compromise four to twenty, because I happen to have a ZCO sitting in front of me, and then th- and nothing else, like they didn't ask you your, there's no other questions, right? And then or there's the it depends, but they don't they don't finish the sentence. Like it depends on what. Like they just go, well, it really depends, and then it's like period. 
And you're like, both mm-hmm. of those are lazy. Giving one response is lazy on one side and giving no response on the other side is lazy because in the middle exists work. It exists work to flesh out the question and to help that person find their own answer with your input. And, and because, and that's why I did a video a couple weeks ago or a week ago on, as I was like, look, I spent 45 minutes answering questions for people who are looking for a specific answer. And and they're and they're upset that I'm asking them questions that shoot holes in the answer they're looking for. Because they just wanted me to justify something they already decided on or to confirm a decision that they got from somebody else. I'm I'm guilty of the the lazy answer, man. I I, I gotta I gotta be honest. Like and, and it's and I don't do it all the time, but I know I have done it. And it's primarily <coughs> you know Due to the fact that, like, it, it dude, it takes some effort to to weed through this stuff sometimes. Yes. And, and when you're getting, you know, freaking five DMs every morning when you wake up, like, dude, it just kind of, it's very, very time consuming. It just kind of gets old, you know. Like, oh, I, dude, I, I do want to, I do want to help, man, but I ain't got, you know, thirty six messages to go through with you to figure it out. Like, you know, I, like I, I, I've gotten to the point where I would just rather talk to you on the phone, man. So like I've, I've, I've given out my phone number these days. Like, call, dude, if you want to know, like call me, we'll talk about it. But like, I can't do the, there's too much lost in translation. And like, I, I can't do the, the, this, this messaging thing to figure, figure this out for you. I tried to maintain it for a really long time and it's getting where in the next few months, I'm, I'm going to not have, I, I don't have the time because it's not five messages for me. When I wake up and I look at my DMs, I have 50. And by lunch, yeah. there's another 50. And by dinner time, there's another 50. Oh, my gosh. Dude, it sounds like my freaking my, – my, so I I don't think you know my wife, but she's uh, got a very, very popular Instagram account with uh, – I don't know what she's up to now. She's over 100,000. And, um, and, and and she got to a point where, like, she, she was having, like – like, it was affecting her mental health trying to answer all these people. And yeah, and I told her I was like, Britt, you you're gonna have to just you gonna just have to do what you like, control what you can control. You yep. know what I mean? Like designate thirty minutes in the morning just to answer what you can, and and then be done. And that's all you can do. Yeah, you know, because she's to the point where she could go all day long and not and not hit them all. Because like you said, and I didn't think about this, but like <clears throat> when you said it, it reminded me of her, like. It's constant. It, it ain't like you just you get it done in the morning, then it's done. Like it, it's continuously coming in all day long, you know. And it's, no, because if you put it down, the question you just answered is going to be a forty-six minute conversation of fourteen texts. Whether you do them now, lunchtime, dinner, like because the conversation isn't done, and so you might give yourself forty-five minutes. You respond to a guy, but he's going to send you six more DMs by lunch, and then you have to like respond and wait for him. That's why I like getting on a phone call, but dude, how much time do I really have to get on a phone call? So, um, anyways, uh, on, uh, so figuring out your question, let's go back to LPVOs and magnifiers. Um, magnifiers, I think I don't, I, I agree with you. I think 90%, especially as we get more suburban based and training time limited and ammo is expensive and really, now, do I, does that mean that I think there's no place for LPVOs or scopes? Absolutely not. I'm saying that there's, um, I think you're right in that for most people for the, 
and it's t- the type of shooting most people even try to do with LPVOs, I think you're sacrificing something. And that's what I got in an argument with somebody because they said there was no use for LPVOs. I said, that's absolutely not true. I said, you just don't understand them or their use. Because so now we shift from suburban 300 and in, you know, even 400 and in, if you understand your zero caliber and velocity dependent, all these things, you start shifting into your 80%. You're, you're on the edge of a city or you're, you work out of town or you go out into the rural areas. You, you have it in the bed of your truck while you're driving to your hunting stand or while you're whatever you're, you, you, and you drive in a more rural area where those engagement distances could be or passing two or 300 yards or they become smaller targets like you shoot coyotes you do things that but you still the 60 percent of your time is still urban so that optic is still living like a good portion of its life at one power but you still have it's not a 10 percent thing anymore it's crested into a 20 30 40 percent of the time you have the possibility for these longer engagements you live rurally like i live on 10 acres i'm sure every property around me is 10 acres the property on one side of me is like twenty-seven thousand acres of uh, timber property like it's a 45 minute drive into town like i live in the woods and so it and if i go out into eastern oregon like dude you can see for 800 yards every direction and so but if that's only a certain part of my day then and the rest of it is in town or I live in a, a suburban area, but I work out of town, I think it's playing the percentages, right? And so I still want that true one power or close to one power, you know what I'm saying, um, capability. And But I want to, with the same primary optic, have the ability to one, add magnification, but two, it's picking up the refined aiming points that are with inherent within a reticle. And that's the separation. So you're basically picking up a red dot capable optic with a reticle and, and, and possibly, you know, magnifiers are three power, five power, whatever, bumping up to eight power, 10 power. And, you know, that's currently where we're sitting with most, uh, LPVOs. So what is the answer to the guy that says, well, if you're doing that, then why not just do like a Mark five, three to 18 with a top mounted or an offset dot? you're adding a secondary sighting system and more weight. And so it you're now making the, if, if it's a 60, 40 equation of zero to 300, which means that the red dot, like one power zero and understanding your trajectory is your thing. And, and it's flipping to like 60, 40, the other way. Then I think I, I, I understand your argument, but, what you're doing is you're adding a, a secondary sighting system. And now you're playing which one is your muscle memory to go to. And so mm. it's, I, I tell people, if you're running an LPVO and, and 90% of, like you said, you do, you, you're taking it to carbine courses, whatever. Like for me on my LPVOs, the LPVO is the primary sighting system. The, the backup red dot is a redundant aiming system. It's for passive with night vision or target finding, like or in extremis, which means I'm on ten power. There's now somebody in my face that needs bullets now, like mm-hmm. so. I'm shifting to that as a 
like right now, or, but if I go urban, I'm dropping the magnification down that red dots on and I'm sitting at one power. And because you should be able to, given your zero, understanding your gun, you should be zero to 300 all day. Like, sure. and so I want that, that muscle memory built into going to one sighting system and then I'm manipulating the power. If you're not manipulating power on an LPVO and then, and, and it's either always high or always low, I think you've answered your own question. So if you're always a red dot and you're never at max mag or you never use the magnification and you're always shooting your 12 o'clock dot, uh, why don't you have a dot and a magnifier? Or right. if you're never off 10 power and you never run one power on your LPVO, then I think you do have a valid argument. Why don't you have a two to 10? Because I think you're trying to, you're sacrificing some things like side adjustable parallax and all these things that other optics like a four to 16 <laughs> attacker, a three to 18, a two to 10, all these things um, could possibly give you. I, uh, I see guys sometimes that, will say that they are using their you know razor one to ten attacker one to eight whatever at max mag and in the conventional setup right and then their top mounted dot is for their cqb distance right quote unquote um and i ask them like why are you why are you maxed out on, on power and they're like oh this, this is my distance you know and, I, and i'm like well why'd you why'd you buy an lpvo <laughs> you know because like <laughs> What a lot of people don't understand is that the the that ten power on that one to ten is like the worst magnification setting that it possesses. <laughs> you know, like oh, it's the it's the tightest your eye box is going to be. Yeah, like it's the worst way to do this. So, like you would have been much better served with like a four to sixteen or a three to eighteen on ten power than you would be on a one to ten on ten power. But you know. yeah, I mean that. Like I said, if 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 they're if you're if all you're doing that using that gun for is scope carving classes or like as a DMR, I don't think an LPVO is your scope. I think a other, a bigger variable power optic, like I said, two to 12, four to 16, three to 18. I mean, four to four to 20, all of those on a DMR all day. Like I have my 17, my, and my two eighteen fives all have side adjustable parallax, mid range optics. So all my 16 inch 14 fives, 13 nines that I use for this type of work, they have LPVOs. Um, and I'm not saying that you can't put, if you had a 14 five, cause you're a law enforcement guy and really your engagement distance isn't that far, but you want that 10 power magnification for real PID and, and looking through glass or burning in through, you know, shadows inside of a doorway, then, and there's, I don't see any reason you can't put a 14 or a four to 16 or a three to 15 or whatever, or two to 12 on a shorter gun. But, but that's under, that's understanding your context and your role of that rifle. i tell you what I tell guys, and I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. They'll say, <coughs> how do I know if I need an LPVO or if a dot and magnifier is good enough, right? Uh, my answer is I, I need an LPVO. When one of two or both things uh, occur here, the first one would be I cannot see what I need to see with the magnifier. It, it doesn't magnify enough, right? Like I can't, I can't discern whatever information I need to discern for this shot. Um, 
that could be a distance thing. It could be a target size thing. It could be a lighting thing. It could be a number of different, uh, you know, variables. It could be a, a trace thing, right? So like one of my parameters for choosing a, a DMR gun, uh, I want to be able to, to see what's happening like at the impact zone with, with the bullet. I want to be able to see trace. I want to be able to see splash. I want to be able to see what's going on. Uh, so I need enough magnification to do that. That's from a gaining perspective, but, or the second thing would be, I need a measuring stick inside the glass because I'm shooting at a far enough distance where I can't, I can't just hold in space anymore. Um, yep. If you, if you need, if you need one of those things or both, then you need an LPVO or, or, or maybe even more. You're basically saying the same thing I am, which is, I just say you need a reticle. So what you're using as from the measuring perspective, which is absolutely true. So you, you can't can just Kentucky windage your misses anymore. It is way faster to go, Hey, I'm a mill and a half low and a half mil right. Like, than it is to go like, well, let's try the other pine tree. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I think if you're shooting that far and I, I agree completely, which is you need to see splash like trace trace comes down to how good your eyes are, how you have your optics set up, like how good your body position is that you can even catch trace. I'm more look I the 90% solution is guys need to see their splash. Um, right. And so, right. I, I found too that like the the clarity and quality of the glass affects the trace very very much. Oh yeah, and I and it's depth of field. The it, does your optic have a super narrow depth of field or or and like you said, if you shoot an LPVO, you can't adjust parallax. And so, you're aside from one distance, you're basically stuck where your eyes are doing a lot more work than they are with a regular optic because you're. Your the depth of field is that's what people go like. Okay, we've been we've been kind of dancing around this thing. MPVO, it's not a thing, and this is why. And I've and and it needs to die because they go like, well, then what makes an LPVO different? They're made different. There's a reason why you get one power out of it, and there's no side adjustable parallax. It's a different type of mechanical, like inside mechanical workings to get that scope to work, like. A two to twelve, a three to eighteen, a four to sixteen—they're made the same way as a five to twenty-five, six to thirty-six, seven to thirty-five. All these things—they're just smaller. Mm -hmm. So it's just a variable power optic, whatever. And the thing is, is now we have so many overlapping power ranges of any variety that, yeah. like, how do you delineate? You have two to twelves, four to sixteens, three to eighteens, four to twenties, like. And they more come out every year. So how are you delineating what an MPVO versus like L like a larger, like, and then versus like the six to 36, seven to 35s? Like, no, there's variable power yeah. optics. What's the, so where's, where's the threshold? <laughs> yeah. So, but LPVOs are made different. And so there's, there's understanding that. And that's, I got to do a video on that. People need to understand depth of field and what you get with different quality optics and like, why mm -hmm. is this ZCO that I have in front of me, you know, $4,000? Well, it's like, well, or $4,500. Well, if I'm looking at a target at 900 yards, is the target at 1,000 or 1,020 and 825 still clear? Or is it like the brush, you know, 50 feet in front of it and 50 feet behind it hazy? Because the depth of field on a Vortex or a Night Force or a Leupold or a is not going to be as good with the glass quality as a a Zeiss, a, a Swarovski, a ZCO, a Tangent Theta, a 
because it, that glass quality matters. And usually that's, that's what people don't understand is the depth of field. It's funny that you, you bring this up. I am proud to announce that uh, I am the new owner of uh, my first ever ZCO optic. I just ordered it uh, about a week and a half ago or so. I got one of the What'd 4 you get? 20s. Nice. Uh, one of the yeah, one of the four to twenties with the uh, was it the the M M something or another three X reticle. Okay. Um, and I'm I, I've never had like a really really awesome piece of glass like that. And you know, frankly, I just I, I wanted one. Um, I'm I'm a gamer, man. I, I want I want all the advantage. So you're you're gonna spoil yourself. It's gonna be hard. Um, I'm telling you that right now, but. Well, I tell you my uh, current issue with it. Uh, well, and I haven't got it yet. I don't have an issue with it, but um, and, and you might be able to provide some insight on this. I can't seem to like find uh, many options outside of the spur mount for a cantilever thirty-six millimeter mount. Um, there aren't a whole lot of them. Yeah. So Badger sent me the Max, uh, and and you know, and I, I told told them like I'll I'll try it and see if I can make it work, but. I don't know if it will. I mean, I got a I got a pretty long neck, man. So I feel like I'm going to be craned forward pretty good. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to get enough uh, eye relief to to make it work. But we'll, we'll see. If that doesn't work, I'm going to have to just pony up and, and go with the spur and hope that it's as good as the old ones. I guess. Yeah, this five to twenty seven I've got right here is going to go on my uh, AI ATX, and, and I had to order a spur from Mile High for it. So that's coming Tuesday. So I can actually mount this sucker up. Freaking crazy! I was looking um, at the the spur like cantilever, dude. Like it's like six hundred dollars for a freaking scope, man. Yep. Like it's it's freaking golly, it stings. I gotta be honest. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna whine about it a little bit. <laughs> but but I mean, dude, it's I, I love this stuff. The thing is, is that there's nothing more frustrating than watching students at classes or people online who got sold a line over why they need something and it really fits nothing they're trying to accomplish. And so they're fighting their equipment. I tell you what I'm waiting on. And, and like, you, you need to like, you, you, you let me know who I need to write an email to. Cause like, you know, this industry better than I do, but I am waiting on <clears throat> like a three, maybe four, maybe five power magnifier flip flip the side magnifier just regular old like it ain't got to be nothing fancy you know nothing crazy like unity did or nothing weird just standard flip the side magnifier and i want it to be like insanely clear like like it's a fixed power which means like i, I know you ain't got to do a whole lot to make it awesome man you know what i mean like make it awesome and then after you make it awesome go over there to the uh to the side like in the in the glass and etch me, a, etch me, etch me about you know about five mils in that thing. Like just, just put me a little, a little mill tree over, or a mill line over, like over in the side of the glass, just so I can like get an idea of of how you know how big a target is. I can kind of get a little bit of information on on, on building this shot. You know what I mean? Um, I always thought if somebody made a holographic site that had like two mil, like had like three dots and it had like, and they were two mils apart or whatever. Uh, like screw yeah. the EOTech reticle. Give me. Yeah. Stop with the BDC mask, man. Give me a multi dot, but have it be in mills. The, the magnifier thing. You have to think about this. 
think about the glass quality that Trigicon has in their Credos or that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, EOTech has in their scopes. Like it's not good because you have red dot manufacturers or holographic site manufacturers making scopes. And so they haven't, uh, and that's the reason why they're so cheap. And so the reason why people don't realize, like even the AMG line from Vortex, like they're using glass from a satellite manufacturer in Wisconsin. Like the, all the, the reason why you're in the same range with Nightforce, Vortex, Razor, Gen 2s, like all that stuff is because they're, it's all coming from Japan. It's all the same cost for all these manufacturers to get that glass. And so I digress back to Aimpoint, EOTech, you know, think about all the people who make actual magnifiers. They're all red dot manufacturers. None of them are ordering their glass from Light Optic, Swarovski, Steiner, like like they're not because it doesn't matter to anybody who doesn't have magnification. And so the glass quality they're putting in these magnifiers just isn't there. So I just had this I just had this thought. Imagine if so you got your standard aimpoint T2, right? Red dot, two MOA. Uh but then you can there's a button on there somewhere, right? And when you push this button at one mil appears a one and a half MOA dot, right? At two mils appears a one MOA dot. At you know, three point five, five mils, whatever, appears <coughs> you know, something like a very, very precise half MOA dot. Something that might not even be able to be perceived with without the magnifier. That like that you could turn on and off so it didn't get too busy during like the close fast 50 yard and in stuff. That, that would be wow. Yeah. I would that, that and a three or four X magnifier. Like dude, I will pay a thousand dollars for, for a magnifier for a dot. If it's clean enough, like if it's, if it's just beautiful, I think you're also running into the stacking of lenses. I'm not an optical engineer, but I, you know, I think I've, sure. I've heard the, talking about where, you're now stacking all the lenses that are in a magnifier and the lenses that are in the red dot. And so you're also magnifying the glass quality of the red dot. And so for, for the magnifier to be clear, you also have to have good lenses in what you're looking through. And so Mm -hmm. I think you're also limited in that aspect because, you know, EOTech, Aimpoint, whatever, like, yeah, you you can have smudged glass and stuff when you're looking through it with, you know, both eyes open and, and, and just sending it because you're overlaying the dot anyways. I can do that with an occluded dot. You know what I mean? You have no glass quality. Yeah. But when you start magnifying it and now you're looking and you're actually trying to gain information through the magnifier, all those imperfections, the dust, the, everything that's on that lens is now amplified as, as well as the, the lens quality. Dang it. You're right. <laughs> Dang it. All right, there's a solution in here somewhere. I gotta, I gotta think it up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that 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 would be great. Like, like stop stop selling people, you know, stop selling people four to twenties to do two hundred yard and three hundred yard shooting, man. Like, just give them give them the capability within what they already have. Um, that like, because most most people don't need that stuff to do this. They just need. You know, like if you could take the measuring stick solution from an LPVO and put it into the dot, like, dude, now now we're now we're kind of getting into, man, like if you see what you need to see, go go push go. I mean, and really, depending on what you're actually trying to shoot, even just getting people 
like reticle aside, people understanding ballistics. And I've done some law enforcement scope uh, magnifier classes where we got into the applied ballistic app, bl- applied ballistics app. And guys were like, why would we do this? I said, because you can actually chew your gun close enough to to be really effective out to farther distances than you think you can. Because what we always did is I just did a walk back. And so at 25, 50, 100, 150, 200, 250, we shot three shot groups. And we walked up and circled the group. And then I and then we went at the end of, you know, whatever it was, 300 to 400 yards, we um, pulled the targets down. And I said, measure that from your point of aim. And I said, now we're going to the group, the middle of the group. And I said, now we're going to alter your velocity until that uh, those numbers make sense. And like, yeah, shooting a magnifier with a dot, like you're, you're going to get some bigger groups out to distance. But the center of the group, you can make that make sense. And all of a sudden, I'm like, look, now you've trued. And now you can give your you, – like if you're a firearms instructor in Oregon, California, whatever, honestly – with your duty ammo and the guns you issue to every trooper and the and the red dots cuz they're all in the same spot with the same mount you guys can give them an actual data card in inches that's you know yes DA and everything adjustable but that's way closer than you were and it's real information that you can use that if you know that you're 15 inches low at 200 yards like tell them to hold top of the head like squeeze, man. Like that's a, that's better than a Kentucky, like lick your finger and hold it up to the air and just send it. Like you have data to work off of. Um, and I think for being a, whether it's a $5, $10 free understanding, a ballistic app can answer so many questions that are posed online over optic heights and zeros, like the whole you know, 25, 32, or 36, 50, 100 yards, zero. None of them are wrong. None of them. You, But you have to understand your rifle setup and what you're trying to accomplish. Because I know you and I have had this conversation, as I have with, uh, you know, Matt and Nick at Velox and, and Duffy. And like, dude, how many guys show up with a 25-yard zero with a Unity riser or a KAC riser or a GBRS riser and do on their MCX or APC or SCAR and all of a sudden they're, you know, 26 inches high at 180 yards. Yeah, I don't think this thing zeroed. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like... I do. I think it is. (laughs) You're like, oh, it's it's zeroed exactly where it should be. You just don't understand what, what you actually zeroed to because... And so uh, that's why, you know, I think those, and that's not giving away the farm. People go like, oh, you're giving away your class. I said, dude, if you think me just walking you through a ballistic app is me giving away my two days of class, I, dude, Kestrel does that for free. Applied Ballistics has that on their YouTube. Like, I'm not giving away my farm. Like, I'm not giving you everything I have to give. I did that video with Jim's Goon Life, and it was an hour long. And people were like, dude, he just gave away a precision rifle one class. And I was like, whose precision rifle one class did I just replace in an hour? So I talked to, um, we're kind of changing gears here, but whatever. I talked to uh, Jeff Mao at Tenacore one time and, and he said, um, he said, dude, you need to, he, he said, you need to give it all away, like all of it for free. 
And I was like, really? You know, that was, that was super interesting. He was like, yeah. And, and he said, because imagine this. <laughs> he said, if you, if you could take Mark's, like, like any JBS training group course and make it into like a Netflix series special, right, where there's like four or five episodes of just your entire class that's been filmed, edited, and, and, and put, out, put out, do you think that that would increase students or decrease students? And I was like, it would increase them. And he's like, right, because now they know what they're missing. And I was like, holy smokes, Jeff, man, that's, that's a pretty smart-ass idea, man. Um, like, that's an interesting way to think about it. Uh, like, a lot of times, like, I think our natural inclination is to, is to keep it close hold. Like, it's mine, you know. But, like, what you know and, and, and what I know is, it's like, dude, I can say, I can say everything under the sun that, that I, that I ever talk about on YouTube, but it's never going to replace the in-person experience. Absolutely not. Like, and, there's no way. And I've had this conversation with my wife is she, she's made the point a couple of times that I'm educating my competitors. And I said, yeah, but I'm also educating my consumer. And I said, and it makes my consumer a more picky consumer. And I want that. Because, and also, you and I teach classes that are very, that could be considered in the same realm. You know what I mean? So, like, why would you and I be friends and talk and, and converse? And, like, <laughs> why wouldn't, why aren't, why aren't we at odds? And because at the end of the day, there's going to be students who resonate better with you. And there's, <clears throat> at the, and on the other side of it, there's going to be students who resonate better with me. I want people to get better, man. I don't care who does it. 100%. That, but that's what I mean. Like my brain works a certain way and picks up a certain way from certain teaching contexts and styles. And, and that's the whole thing of, I think just being yourself on the internet. Like I also don't want people to be like, you were talking about, like I, I kind of view it the same way I want. I was down to do videos like that and stuff because people watch whether it's a live or whether how I'm explaining something off the cuff, I'm talking from knowledge. It's not scripted. I don't have a teleprompter. Like, I'm explaining a concept I understand the way I understand it. But yeah, like I don't ever, I don't ever think of like, I don't think of it as competitors, man. Like, I, like, like I guess technically like you would be a competitor of mine, but I don't ever think of it like that. I, I much prefer the term peers. If if you're doing this for what I would call the right reasons, like we're all trying to do the same thing, man. Like I, I just want to help. Um, I just happen to get to do what I believe is the greatest job in the world to do that. And I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. But like, I, if, 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 if helping meant, you know, sitting behind a desk, you know, answering emails about this and I could get paid, like, I, I just want to help. I don't care what it is. So like, I don't, I don't ever get weird about that. You and I could teach every day for the rest of our lives and not touch every student in America. Like, and so, and I think of it as we're not accountable to one employer. We're accountable to hundreds of employers, thousands of employers. And those employers um, can pay us for one job or can pay us for multiple jobs, or they can go to other people to get jobs done. But like, if you're doing the right things and you're honest and you're real and you're like, and you're just are doing things the right way, like being a contractor, like you shouldn't have to separate yourself from other contractors. Like, to build a house, like your reputation, the way you, you, way you work, the, like the, the, the quality of your work, 
like there's probably a bunch of other dudes who do really quality work, but you're going to, you should have enough work to support yourself because there's, you could build houses every day for the rest of your life. And you're going to build like, you know, a couple hundred houses or a few hundred houses. Like, dude, that's, that's not even like, that's a drop in the bucket. And so I think about, I, I think about my, my, my old life, right. When I was a plumber, this is, it seems very applicable. We could all be doing something very similar, but not exactly the same, very quality as well. Right. So like, <clears throat> this reminds me of like the difference between me and you or me and Scott or, or whatever. When I was a plumber, I was a very, very high quality plumber. But if you told me you had a septic tank issue, I'm, I'm not your guy. You need a septic guy, right? Uh, or if you needed irrigation ran on your new, you know, uh, uh, Bermuda grass, that's that's an irrigation guy. That's not well, well, yeah, but it's pipe, Mark. Yeah, I know, but it ain't, but it ain't my kind of pipe, right? It ain't the same kind of stuff that I now I can fix it. I can spice it. I can do all this stuff, but you you need the irrigation guy. So, <coughs> like. God. Ugh. So in the same, you know, breath, like we're, we're, we're all like running water. We're, we're all running pipe. We're all, we're all doing very, very similar things, but it's, but it's all very different at the same time. And we can all be quality. And like the irrigation guy ain't got to, ain't got to put down and crap all over the septic guy. Like he could just say, well, it's just, that's just different, man. He's just doing a different thing. Well, I also think this is a rare, this is a rare scenario where, like let's say you're you're plumbing a house and if you find the quality guy even if you have that quality guy re- plumb every room in your house um you could still have issues and you only still have whereas sure. if you have if you have a plumber plumb a different plumber plumb every room in your house i'm saying this contextually as for shooting i think you're actually a better rounded shooter like so you don't want to be, you don't want to drink from one faucet. You want to drink from many faucets because even if you happen to stumble on a good one, you really don't understand how good that one is until you've tasted some other water. Like, and so. Dude, I've, I've learned a tremendous amount about what not to do from crap instructors. Yeah. Like things that I didn't even think about until I heard them or saw them do something. It was like, oh my God, like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Let's never do that, <laughs> you know? And so it's, I mean, it's kind of like learning leadership. Like, how do you know you have, you work for a good dude until you see a bad one? And so, and I get it. And I have students who even say like, hey, you know, I really resonate with how you explain information and all this stuff. And like, I want to, like, that, that's really awesome. But I said, I'm still like, if I, if you can't get to me again till next year or whatever, like, and you want to train, like, I don't need you coming to, I, I, I think it's really pigeonholing people. And yes, maybe I'm pushing some work away from me, but I'm like, dude, go take a class from Mark to from Duffy, from, you know, from Scott, from Ridgeline, from, because they're all, and, and there's going to be slight differences and some different opinions and stuff. And you can take, when you come back to me now, you're going to have all these little tips and tricks and stuff. And you're gonna, and by that point, my curriculum is probably gonna change because I've refined some stuff over the last year and a half, and and then you're gonna get a whole new. It's a totally different depth of understanding at that point. Yeah, my, my curriculum's changed a lot, and it's. I don't even think I'm teaching different stuff as much as I've refined my presentation on a lot, and my brains ran through it enough times that I've like gotten it down to. I think the meat and potatoes and cut out a lot of fluff, which then 
frees up more time in the class to cover a little bit more. Sure. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And like, you, you'll start to find that like you, like, it's not that this particular topic is not important. It's that these other ones are significantly more important. So like, let's <clears throat> really dive deep into the, the meat and potatoes and, and like not pay so much attention to the salt and pepper. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, you, you'll, you'll start to, uh, and, and not, not you specifically, but like anybody that, that like starts teaching, like the more you do it. And I don't think there is an end state. I don't think there's an end game to it, but like, you'll, you'll find that like you start to <clears throat> gravitate towards like, Hey, instead of just like touching on this for an hour, let's, let's spend some time here. Cause like, I really feel like this is a, this is a big deal. Um, and, and I'll give, I'll give up something else that I was doing to be able to get that extra time. Or you find people who you've gotten asked the same questions in the same part of your curriculum two or three times. And you're like, and so you're like, obviously I'm not spending enough time for people to fully get what I'm trying to get across. Like, right. And so, and other times like people don't have any questions and you start cutting things out and they still don't have any questions. You're like, Oh, maybe I was going a little too deep um, on some of that stuff. And I've, I kind of add contextual things just because people not even about what I'm talking about, but it spurs the same question about something else. Like in my scope carving classes, I talk about like the rise of the riser. So just like we were talking about of like choosing your zero with a scope carving, you should be a hundred yard zero for every gun that has a reticle. I truly believe that. I mean, the only comparison I think if you're running subsonics in a 300 black and you want to run an LPVO cause you're hunting pigs, like we can start talking, but like, pretty much other than that you should be 100 yard zero and the uh and so but i think that's an important conversation to have because the people who don't understand the contextual use of that and why that's a thing i think then starts because what they do is they're red dot guys who then put drop got an lpbo and then are running 25 yard zeros on an lpbo and or they try to then go well i'm going to do 100 yard zero on my red dot gun because joe said he does 100 yard zero but i'm like yeah but i have a four inch optic height you have a two and a half inch optic height like it's not the same man and so and they're like it, oh i need to go buy a riser <laughs> and yeah and so it's like no you just need to look at your ballistic app and do some figuring out of like what makes the most sense for you and i i go dude if you're using a co-witness or a lower third like regular riser like, dude, you're probably going to be in the 50 yard zero range because it's just because you don't have the optic height to really um, need that 100 yard zero. So right. anyways, so it's a, uh, I think, yeah, I, I think it's just my curriculum is refined a lot, I think, but I, and I learn stuff hearing you explain stuff. And I, even if, like you said, like, you know, we don't necessarily, it's not an agree or disagree. It's find contextual importance in slightly different places. Like, yeah, I like you, you, I've heard you say this, um, on you set your parallax on an LPVO by finding as close to one power as possible. Like, and so, Uh, well, I, so I set my diopter, but sorry, Um, that's what I mean. Your diopter adjustment, your, your ocular focus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Correct. And so, um, I, I apologize for wrong verbiage. The, uh, and, and I tell people I start there 
but I fine tune the same way I do with bigger optics. And so mm-hmm. I look for a reticle movement with a bagged gun at a hundred yards. And I, it's kind of like setting your, I consider that like setting your length of pull in your elbow. Like that's my starting point. It's not my finish point. And there's some fine tuning that has to happen after that. But I, I think we're coming at it from two different spots. I'm coming at it from long range working in and not that I haven't shot red dots or whatever, but I learned a reticle and shooting on big optics because the only thing we had LPBOs weren't even a thing in the military until right before I got out when the attackers and stuff started coming online. The only thing we had mid range was ACOGs and LCANs. So everything I shot with a reticle, mill reticle was big or three to 15 or bigger, or two to 10 or bigger. And so I'm coming from a different direction than you are. You're coming red dot up. And yeah, I, and I, so, I cut my, I cut my, my teeth on, on scope guns on, on LPBS. Like that's, that's where I started. Yeah. And so contextually, I see why you're getting where you're getting. And I see where I'm getting, even though we're, we're ending up in a pretty similar spot. It's just, I see where your importance comes from and where mine does. And so it's, and I see why you have, you have some of the, um, viewpoints and stuff on the scope shadow and stuff that you do being where you start from with your ocular adjustment versus me. Mm-hmm. But then I, but with, with the way I said it, I give up some one power performance. So mm-hmm. for some longer range, eye box parallax performance. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a give and take. And so the disconnect is with, 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 with like, we can have this conversation because both of us understand this, right? Like, yeah. it, like you, you can't say one way is wrong and one way is right. Nope. It's, it's contextually based and it's, and that is foundationally rooted in your understanding of what you're saying here, man. Um, like <clears throat> it's not that your way of setting up an LPVO diopter is wrong and mine is right or vice versa. It's that the, the, you are prioritizing something that, I do not prioritize, right? Yep. Like I, I and and vice versa. So like within my world, the one X of an LPVO is going to be perfect, or I'm not going to use it. Like yep. it, it's going to be damn near perfect, uh, as perfect as it can get with multiple lenses stacked up. Um, <clears throat> in, in your world, I absolutely understand why that ain't all that big of a deal. You know, um, like you want it. But I, but I want that that five hundred yard image and 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 parallax and all that more. Well, and, and it's again, it's and it's if I'm truly running, if I slam my magnification back to one, and I actually have my reticle turned on where I have a red dot there, and I open that other eye up, we shoot occluded dots all the time. So. I should on a one power optic. Now I know it's as close, like you said, as close as you can get with stacked lenses and all this stuff. Right. So, but you should be able to shoot both eyes open where even if it's fuzzy, you can see where that dot's going. And that's should be less of an issue to you with that type of shooting than it is for me to be fucking with parallax or, or, you know, scope shadow or, uh, reticle movement when i'm trying to make a refined wind hold and a hold at a thousand yards or 600 yards or 700 yards where i didn't take the reticle movement out on target 
And so now, depending how I mount the gun, my reticle on target is going to be in a different spot. And so, I, and, and again, that's not a perfect thing. It's that, but if I can take the most of that out or as much as I can, because the first time you show somebody that, they're like, holy crap, that's a lot. I'm like, yeah, dude, because you, you're, if, if you're moving your head and that gun isn't moving and that reticle is bouncing two mils to each direction, like you think that's going to move your shot group a little bit, depending how you mount your gun, which is why, why, why don't we run 193 LPVO mounts? It's great on one power. If you're using an LPVO, like you are a red dot with a magnifier, right? Like I run unity mounts on almost all my stuff. I have a big head. It works for me. I do not run a 193 LPVO or scope mount on anything. And so one, it makes my 12 o'clock mounted dots fairly comfortable because I'm used to it. I'm used to floating, but I'm doing, I'm floating for a red dot. I don't like floating for something that is super picky to my repeatable eye placement behind that ocular lens. And so it's, but if you don't check that, you don't check the reticle movement on paper, like, and you just go, Hey, it's perfectly clear. One power I'm rolling it. Like you're going to see, you're going to see it. It's, it, it, unless you have a super consistent cheek weld, which you've talked about with using that was scope my, shadow. That was my next thing is I, I think that, you know, like I hear people bitch all the time about the Razor 1 to 10 specifically. They're like, oh, the 1 to 10, the iBox sucks, the iBox sucks, all the iBox sucks. And like I always think to myself, like, man, I don't I don't know, bro. Like like maybe maybe your position sucks. Like maybe you aren't consistently mounting a gun the same way. Maybe that's what sucks. You know, because like it ain't all that bad for me. Now, is it is it worse than a five to twenty five at ten X? Hell yeah, but that ain't what we're doing. You know. Okay, I I love the attacker and I love the vortex and the, my my dip my bitches about the vortex are actually much more in the reticle than they are almost anything else. I like the magnification adjustment better. I hate the the ocular the uh, diopter set focus on night forces. I don't like the magnet the locking ring. Never have, hey man, because um, it don't be doing locking stuff. It's no. like a, it's like a, it's like a kind of locking ring. Wish yeah, it would like, lock it's, ring. It's like a suggestion yeah. ring. So the, right. uh, but the reticle is my di- f- fault. But here's the deal. I go, they go. Well, I go the the eye box on the one to ten at eight power is re- is almost the same as the one to eight attacker. And they go, yeah, but at that point you might as well get the attacker. I said, yeah, but you know what the vortex has that the the, the attacker doesn't ten power. Like, yeah. so it, it, dude, I mean, it really depends. And I like them both. I have like seven of one and three of the other or four of the other. Like I, they're both great optics. I recommend them every single day, but it's, it's really, I don't think you're poorly served by either. I just think that the, 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 the box complaint is they're asking a one to 10 to make a real one to 10. You're asking a lot of current engineering in optics. Right. And not to say we're not going to get better, but like, dude, you couldn't have thought of a one to 10, six years ago, eight years ago. So like, it's not like count your blessings and consider yourself like, no, we should always be asking the industry to make better stuff. But, but like for our current engineering, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and I think honestly, from what I've heard about the new gen, the new one to 10 that they only released 50 of through Euro optic, um, I heard that's way better and it's way smaller. And so maybe Vortex, you know, 
made up a new recipe and they've got a better scope for us, but they're fulfilling contracts and, and that thing won't be out for another year. So, right. Well, you know, and that's the thing I think people complain about or people who are like, well, then why don't you do a two to 12? Why don't you do a four to 16? I go, for me, it's a percentage. I'm playing percentages. And if I'm coming from a background like, like yours, where I make a living zero to 300 or, or 400 or 500, like, and, and I'm not making a living 400 to a thousand, then you gotta, if I, if 60% of my time or 40% of my time is zero to 200, and then I kind of need a reticle for a little bit at the end, uh, dude, a four to 20 is a lot of optic that you're, and you now have, you've now added in where you're, dude, you're not running that thing on four power and running it at 25 yards. You're, you have to have another optic. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have another optic with an LPVO, but I'm using it for very different reasons. And it sure isn't my primary sighting system. Yeah. I, I, I specifically bought the ZCO four to 20 to <clears throat> be my uh, zero to 600 scope uh 50% of the time and like 500 to 800 the other 25% of the time and then 800 to 1000 the the other 25 yeah so that makes perfect sense because like I, I you know my uh my bread and butter on the scope gun world is is just the 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 gas gun you know DMR stuff primarily the vast majority of that's going to be somewhere between 3 and 6 um, and, and every now and then you'll see somebody throw you, you know, something, something fun out there around 800. And then you go to these QP matches where they, they lose their damn minds and they start shooting 1300 yard targets. Um, which, you know, it's, it's fun. Um, but not with a 14, five and a one to six. <laughs> um, no, but you know, are you putting that so on a six I, arc? Or are you putting that on that proof? I, man, I, I, that thing will probably float a little bit. Um, Right now, my plan is to stick it on the uh, the eighteen inch five five six gun, um, and 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 really really be able to rape that that four hundred to eight hundred range. I mean, um, dude, I got a I got a three to eighteen on mine, and so I mean, it's we're right in the same range. Uh, and you know, if you're talking to Scott Peterson, he's got a six to thirty six on his, so why not? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I looked through his the other day. Um, he actually he came up and, and shot a match with me at the uh, Clinton house, and I was able to look through that thing. And it's <clears throat> it's kind of crazy to to be able to zoom in like thirty six power. Like I ain't ever even like it's like a spotting scope for God's sakes. Yeah, you know, um, it's pretty nuts. I really like that reticle too. I like that scope. That's a neat little scope. Um, That's a neat big well, scope. That's a big scope. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, big scope. Neat big scope. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it like looking through that one made me like, as I was shopping those ZCOs, I think they make something crazy, like a seven to 40 or something. Yeah, nuts. Something like that. I forget what and, it is. The big and, one. Yeah. I know it goes up to 40. And, and I remember thinking like, man, I just, I, w- I wish money were no ob- object. And, and I, I would just get one of these just because like, I just want to <laughs> see, I want to, I want to see a thousand yard target through, <clears throat> through a, a $5,000 40 X. Um, I, I bet it's pretty good. Well, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to get you set up with some better glass. Um, that's a conversation for another day. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate the heck out of you coming on here and, and, and chewing the fat with me, man. I know we kind of bounced all over the place from our original intent, but whatever. Those make for the best shows. Yeah. No, I, dude, I, I'm always down to have this conversation. I think, you know, context is a, is a lost art. And I think um, when you told me the conversation you wanted to have about this stuff with LPVOs and stuff, I think it's because the thing is, people always go like, hey, if you could pick one. I said, I didn't. I don't have to. And you shouldn't either because my use case is very large because I do a little bit of everything and we teach and I want to go just like I want to go take a Velox training group carbine class or one of yours or veils or because I just I haven't been doing a lot of red dot stuff and I just want to be a student and shut up and sit in the back of the class and shoot like I I also would very much like love to go shoot with Scott and just beat on big gas guns and so it's like those are very different guns and so I own more than one like and so but if you're really you, you, a lot of the time we're talking to these like 18, 25, 26 year old dudes who dude going and buying a Hodge or a, or a sons of Liberty with a night force attacker, with a badger mount, with a bro there, that's like their yearly play fund is like so, that's so a life investment. decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's to just tell them that like, Hey, you need all of them. You need to buy more. I think it's not doing anybody any favors, but you have to get them to, like we said in the beginning, flesh out the question they're asking and, and understand like, Hey, on this path that is shooting for you, where are you? Like, like you said, right. We talked about CQB for a while earlier and just about, you need to have this stuff at a subconscious level before you expand into this. So sometimes are some of these dudes getting a little ahead of themselves in their journey where it's like, Hey man, like, I know you want to spend this money, but like, I think you could probably go take a few more classes over here, ref- like really push this platform a little bit more and then like figure out what you want to do for that next step versus like, just because the internet told you to, and there's a bunch of YouTube videos or this new thing was released or this new caliber from this other company that does the same thing as all these other calibers came out. Like I have to go buy that it's like so that you just soaked up okay like i'm building a six arc and guy you have six arcs Um, like do i do i hate six arc no do i think there's a use for six arc or six max or any of these yeah do i think that all these young guys who aren't training a lot to begin with need to go build six arcs in 12 fives or 14 fives to replace their five five six guns no why because the ammo is a dollar 46 around or a dollar like what well you know somebody said that damn neck is like yes okay so old uncle sugar is feeding guys a million rounds of six arc a year like that's not you boo so what's keeping you training and capable because you're answer you're answering somebody else's question and you're about to do it with by spending a lot of money the six arc will not will not save you um that's like like i answer that question pretty regular um I think the six arc can <coughs> excuse me. Six arc can help you exploit certain things that five five six just just can't. Um yep. but like dude, if you suck at shooting, like you still suck at shooting with six arc. Yep. Um like it's not it's not gonna fix your problems. Like if you don't understand if you don't understand how the like the wind is blowing you two and a half mils off target at six hundred yards by going to six arc and only blowing 1.8 mils off target. Like it's still a miss dude. Like it's not, it's not going to do anything. 
Yeah. And the thing is, you start talking about, you don't give a student driver that instead of driving a Honda Civic, you give them a Ferrari that needs its valves adjusted every, you know, 6,000 miles. Like you're adding some complexity to a system, some upkeep to a system where, dude, you just need to drive. Like, and I think that's the best analogy I can give people is like, dude, you're not a F1 driver. You do, you're not there yet. I get that question. And this is, this upsets a lot of people. They go, I'm trying to get into PRS. What gun should I get? And I go, dude, just get like a six, five Creed, like Tika CTR or something. And just go shoot, man. Just go shoot your matches. Well, I want, I won't be competitive. I said, I'm going to tell you a secret. You won't be anyways. Like, because you as a shooter are not competitive. I could put any gun I want in your hands. Like your, your money is better spent shooting your next 12 matches with, or 14 matches with whatever you can feed and consistently go train with. And then make a better downfield decision, whether that's re starting with a gun like a Tika that you can rebarrel and build into something that's then competitive, or use that as your training gun, pass it off to somebody else who's starting their journey, and then go upgrade to a different one. But going and buying, you know, I, I shoot four mile high and I've shot for gap, and I like, I have, I teach my primary teaching gun is a $7,000 AX. Does every single student who comes to my classes need a $7,000 AX? Absolutely not. Like, no. Are they fantastic guns? Absolutely. They're amazing. But can can you get into this journey for a $1,500 Solace or a Seekins Hit or a, a Tika CTR or, you know, whatever? Yeah, 100%. And I'm not going to go tell some young kid to go max out a credit card and make bad life decisions just because I'm trying to sell something for another company. And nobody I work with requires me to do that and because otherwise we wouldn't be working together. But um, it's, uh, I want, like you said, I want people to get better. And I, and I think that the solution is in the software, not the hardware, 99.9% .9 of the time. Yep, I agree. If, um, if dudes want to want to come train with you, want to know how to find you, want to, you know, uh, make make comms with you. How, how can I do that? Yeah, dude. Uh, I got contact forms on the website www.bruiserindustries.com. Uh, my Instagram handle is at bruiserindustries. The uh, now there's two of them. There's there's two of them. There so is like, two. Uh, one literally says backup page, and one doesn't. So just read the read the little the the bruiser underscore industries. That's my backup for when I get zucked because I talk too much trash or post too many gun pictures or whatever. Underscore is the backup straight, straight spelled out is the current. Yep. One has like 3000 followers. One has significantly more. So, um, yeah, come find me. Uh, you know, you can, you'll probably find me at one of, uh, Mark's Mark's classes in the next year. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking this year to get out and start being a student again and, and, brushing off some rust and some disciplines that I've neglected lately. That's fun, man. I like doing that. It's, it's very like, I can, I, I don't want to say I can be lazy, but like I, my, I let my brain relax. Like I don't have to, I don't have to be so tuned up about what's next. What's next. What's next. What's this guy need? What, what, what kind of weather we got going on? Like, I don't have to think about it. Either. I can just go shoot. And <clears throat> it's, it's great. I, I, I love it. I wish I had more time to go do more of it. I, you know, and like, you know, you've probably been in the same way as, dude, I cleaned out a 401k to do this. And like, I finishing your first year of business in the black where you can still pay your bills is a good feeling. 
But like, I haven't had the consumable income to go train a bunch. I've just been trying to get to the end of the year. And so this next year, that's the, that's the push now is to, um, cause I, you know, I only canceled one class cause of jury duty didn't cancel a single other class, whether it was five dudes or 15 dudes. Um, and, uh, and I got through the year and that was my goal. And so good into this next year, it's freeing up some time to one shoot, uh, PRS NRL Hunter, some, some of those, uh, gas gun matches and then get back into USPSA. I, I was telling, I'm friends with Bruce Gray and I was actually just there today. And, uh, I was telling him that I want to, when I shot USPSA before, first of all, limb optics wasn't a thing. Neither was carry optics. I shot production. Well, production's a dying class and now it's all carry optics and limb optics and I've been out of it. And so I want to classify a or higher in both of those in the next 18 yeah. months. So I got some work ahead of me. Yeah, I think that's totally doable, man. Totally doable. I think if you can get to the point where you can classify at that level with one, the other will be pretty simple. Yeah. I mean, they're so similar, but, uh, yeah. it's, a. Uh, and I've still got my production set up, which I'm still running a two, two, six that Bruce built just because I don't care. And I'm going to go beat on that thing and run some iron sights just cause I can. So, um, but Mark, as always, my friend, I appreciate it. And thanks for asking, having me on. And, um, and, uh, dude, I, I look forward to, uh, to crossing paths with you shortly. Hopefully it shot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll make that happen. Um, all right, man. Well, appreciate the heck out of you. We'll talk to you. All right, guys, that's the show for the day. As always, if you'd like to know more, you can visit us at www.jbstraininggroup.com. If you'd like to get in on a class, you can check the roster and the schedule, which is always changing. If you'd like to host a class, you can hit me up at jbstraininggroup at gmail.com. I appreciate the heck out of you guys. Make sure you talk to Jesus today, and we'll see you on the range.